welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets The three mothers, haven't you understood? Mater Tenebrarum, Mater Lacrimarum, Mater Suspiriorum. But men call us by a single name, a name which strikes fear into everyone's heart. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we continue our Italian Blood Month here on the Retro Blood, talking all about Dario Argento's 1980s horror films. Up next, if you like first-person views, if you like opera drama, if you like teenage killers, and if you like crows who, who scream everywhere, this is the review for you, brother. Because Retro Blood is talking all about opera. Jay Allison, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? How you feel about this opera? You a big opera fan? What's up? What's up, man? I actually like this movie a lot. Um, I was going to ask you, and I guess we'll talk about this later, but whether you liked it better or worse than Tenebrae from last week. Um, but I like this movie a lot. It's It's... It's another Giallo from uh, Argento in the 80s. Um, but yeah, um, everything's going great. I mean, I'm, I love all these movies. I'm loving the uh, loving the, um, loving the the Argento, the Italian blood month. And we had a lot of Italian blood in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely did. It's a pretty interesting one. Like, this one has the same kind of format that mm-hmm. Tenebrae did, where we, we have, like, a mystery killer, and there's, like, all this mystery going on of who the, who the killer is. Uh, but I like this one. I think this one was pretty good. Uh, it's it's very interesting, like theme to it. I guess, like I th- I think yeah, I think it makes more sense yeah. story wise than Tenebrae does. Um, but it goes out of its way. Well, I don't know. I was gonna say it goes out of its way to be ridiculous in other aspects. But I don't know if it's more ridiculous than Tenebrae. But I did tell you though that in this 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 episode, this movie, you would get uh, you would get your uh eye-gouging scene. Yes. And you did. Yes. So I need, you know, so the big thing about these Italian films, like, you know, they love the, the gouged eyeballs, brother. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Gonna have yeah. some uh, gouging. And, uh, you know, this one, you know, I, I realize also, too, where not only do we get the eye uh, uh, popping, gouging shit, we also get the, uh, mm. the, 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 the lights, you know, like the scenery and the oh, lights yeah. and stuff. Yeah. They're all about over the, these films, so. I, I, yeah, you know, I think Argento is really into into the into the colors, like the colors you're talking about in Inferno. Yes. Like he was, he's really into that. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, like it's a similar premise to Tenebrae. I think all most Giallo's are have a similar premise. Like you know, it's like a murder mystery type Alfred Hitchcock type movie. Um, but yeah, there are. I think a lot of them are very similar yes. um, in nature. And we did have the return of the dreaded Black Love. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which I guess is Argento himself, which not, it usually is. And I liked it out of this one. Not only did we have the black glove, but we had the black hood too, brother. So we're, I know, up, we're upgrading. I know. So, yeah. All right. So this one, this one's actually pretty fun. I can't wait to get to the full review because the thing I, I, I like about our general films, they are like semi-confusing, but then once you're done yes. and you think about it, you're like, okay, that all makes sense now. You know, but right you're watching, it's like, what the fuck's going on over here? Why is this happening? <laughs> but then when you like really and think I mean, about it, it's like, okay, yeah. well, I guess that does make sense why all this stuff is happening in a way. So... Yeah, and I'm assuming you've never seen this movie. Before. No, no, this is my first time. Yes, I don't think I've ever okay. seen any like promotional pictures or nothing about this one. So it was uh, okay. it was cool. I liked it. Um, we got our, we got our, you know, it's kind of like a uh, uh, a murder mystery, fan of the opera type of deal going on here. So it's cool. Yes, but yeah, yes, we'll, we'll, it is a lot like that. We'll, we'll talk about it fully, um, scene by scene here on the Retro Blood. That's what that's what we do over here, brother. But um, before we get into the uh, the hook book, the shit and everything, obviously, you know, we always talk about what is happening in the world of pro wrestling and metal around the release date of this opera. You ever been to an opera, by the way, Allison? Uh, have I been to an opera? I don't know. You don't know if you... I'm trying to remember. You don't know don't if you know if sat in the not. crowd looking all stone-faced while somebody was screaming top of their lungs? <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't remember going to one. I don't think I've um, ever been to an opera before, and boy, I don't think yeah. I can handle it. Because for some reason, the opera singing, like, I don't mind it in certain parts, like when they have it, like, in metal songs. <laughs> but yeah, I can't just, yeah. like, go to a straight-up straight up opera and just have these people, oh, la, 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 you know, whatever they do. This is it's just not my not my gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. I don't know. I mean, I think that if you watched an entire opera, you might like it because it would be more there would be more to it than that. But I mean, I've been to Broadway shows, but that's not the same thing. Um, so there is one thing I did um, notice though. What? Like the crowd. We'll talk about though. But the crowd. Yeah. Like when they're all like, like she's like you know our girl Betty's like doing her performance on there. The crowd's yeah. like, how do you think she's doing? How do you think she's doing? I was like, fuck, is this a wrestling crowd? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about how many stars are they going to fucking give her? You know what I mean? For a performance. For, for, yeah, for a match. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. For a star uh, match. Talk about wrestling and everything. So this movie was released yeah. December 19th, 1987, brother. So we got yeah. ourselves a Christmas opera horror movie that had nothing to do mm. with Christmas at all, but just released around Christmas time. Sure. But uh, well, what do we got going on for the pro wrestling there, Allison? What, 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 so, um, what, what do we do? We got any opera singers and wrestling at this time? Probably not. But right before, but so Christmas time and uh, like right before Christmas and wrestling in the eighties was a pretty slow time. You know, there was there were shows on Christmas Day and there were shows on New, on Thanksgiving Day. But between those two, there was all like right before you got to Christmas, there was often like a really, a really slow. Yeah, week. because I don't um, think they moved Starcade to Christmas until like the nineties, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Starcade was always on Thanksgiving night up until the nineties. Um, so the only thing that I got was on December nineteenth, which is like right around the time this movie came out. It was on the day it came out, December nineteenth. On the day it came out, exactly on the day it came out. Um, the the WWF presented the Slammy Awards, 
Oh wow! Okay, the first ever. So for people, <laughs> I was going to ask you if it was the first ever. I'm not sure if it's the first ever. Um, it might have been, but the um, the uh, Slammy Awards for people who don't know is like basically like a fake bullshit award show that the WWF puts on once a year to give awards to its wrestlers for different things. And it's not all any, they still do it. And anymore, it's not always bullshit. Like, um, I think Owen Hart won a couple of awards for best match, which he's certainly deserved. Yeah. And he used um, it for his gimmick and he used it for his gimmick. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times it is like, just, just like bullshit awards. I guess it's supposed to be funny. Um, but I've 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 always failed to, under, to understand the appeal of the Slammy Awards and why. Like you didn't I like never them? even watched. Oh, no. I loved them. I never even. I never. Oh, well, okay. So I guess they were made for you. The best but, one um, was but, the fucking one in '97. <laughs> All right, we got Stone Cold up there just cursing his ass off from people and fucking. What was it? Goldust and is it Goldust and Ahmed Johnson fighting at the table and shit? I was like, yeah, buddy. I don't, I don't, but I is, is this that, the one but... where I'm pretty sure? Is this the one where Vince dances? In 1987. Yeah. I don't know. I only have like a, I only have the winners. Okay. That and the winners was enough to make me to make me want to read this. Um. So we'll talk about it. So so the Slammy Awards happened, um, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, at Caesar's Palace. Um, the first award was best performance by an animal presented by Gene Okerlund. And I'll, I'll give you three guesses who won this and the first two don't count. Oh, okay. So, so did, did, did they give you like choices or no choices? No choices. You don't get a choice. Okay, so they they didn't they didn't they even do like guess. they didn't do like runner ups and shit. They just did like here's well, the winner. Ha- I'm sure they I'm sure they did, but oh, I don't okay. I don't have that information. I only have the winner, and you're only supposed to tell me who won the best performance by an animal in 1987. Uh, the snake. Where was it, Damien? Good lord! Did I get that right? No, no, you didn't get it right. George Steele. Oh, it has to be an actual wrestler that was an animal persona. I guess. I thought you meant like an actor. I think you're putting. I think you're thinking about this way more than the WWF is <laughs> when they made this award. <laughs> yes. But yeah, George Steele. So Gene Okerlund gave George Steele the best performance by an animal award. Then, Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart presented Woman of the Year, oh, not Wrestler of the Year, not Manager of the Year, not that has to be Miss Elizabeth of the Year. It was Woman yeah. of the Year was Miss Elizabeth. Best Ring Apparel. I'm not looking by at the Jim results, Duggan. by the way, either. Oh, okay. Let me guess. Let me right. guess. Best ring apparel uh, in 1987. Yeah, present presented by Jim Duggan. You'll you will not guess this one. I don't think. Honky Tonk Man. No, but that's a good guess. Harley Race. Harley Race for best gear. That's what I thought. All he wears like, boots. I, and, I don't. <laughs> all he wears boots and tights, tights and fucking uh, <laughs> a, a king's robe. That's <laughs> Like I've like I've never thought of him as like best gear, but I yeah. mean he just wears like trunks and boots and that's about it yeah i thought that was weird then the next award the hulk hogan real american award presented by hulk hogan was presented to i'll let you guess okay let's see has to be some sort of american boy back in 1987 Hmm, not slaughter um ultimate warrior 
No. Damn it. Not 1987. Definitely not. It was superstar Billy Graham. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's probably he was there for a little bit. Yeah, that I makes sense. Hogan gave him a superstar award. Right. Now, that this one you will get. You will definitely get. You cannot possibly get this wrong. Jesse the Body Award presented by Jesse Ventura was presented to... So this is for like a big muscular person, right? Don't overthink it. You'll get it if you don't overthink it. I don't know why I got Hercules in my head. Am I wrong? You're overthinking it. Damn it. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. No, Rick Rude. Oh, Rick Rude. Damn it. I thought for sure you'd get that one. Yeah. Well, I, I always All forgot right. Rick Rude was like a body guy, but he wasn't like a a giant body guy, but he was a body no, guy. No, no. No, he wasn't a giant, but he was definitely a body guy. Um, all right. Then we had Greatest Hit, presented by Jesse Ventura and Gene Okerlund. What do they mean, like, Greatest Hit? Like, album? It doesn't explain that. <laughs> no, I think it means, like, a physical hit on somebody, but it, it doesn't explain that. When you see the winner, you'll, you, will, you will understand. Is it a winner or is it a tag like team? A, no, it's a, it's a single person. Greatest hit. King Kong Bundy. Nope. Jim Duggan. Ah, oh, fuck. What a stupid two sure by four. I gotcha. I'm sure it's his two by four, yeah. Manager Manager of the Year presented by uh, wait a minute. Manager of the Year. Hold on, I'm, I'm I lost my place here. Manager of the Year presented by Gorilla Monsoon. Oh Bobby Hina, that's for sure. One. No, there was no winner to this one. What? <laughs> that's one I have no winner. All right, now the next one you're never going to get, but I'll let you guess it anyway. The best personal hygiene. Hmm. Presented oh, by um, Jesse Ventura and Gene Oakland. Mr. Perfect. No, but that's a good guess. It was the winner was the Bolsheviks, Nikolai Volkov, and Boris Sukov, and Slick. Oh. Okay, that was a gimmick. That thing. has to be that has to be some kind of storyline thing that yeah. we don't get now because we don't remember that. All right, and here we go. Best best vocal performance presented by Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. If you get this, I will shit my. <laughs> okay, best vocal. I mean, to be honest with you, the, the only best vocal around this time is probably Roddy Piper, but I don't think that's who they put as a winner. Mm-mm. So I'm gonna go with Macho Man. No, he was the presenter. Oh yeah, um, I mean, that's my bad. Yeah, I was okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Best vocal around this time. Okay, yeah, I'll give you another shot. Shit. Best <laughs> vocals. There's no way you're gonna get this. Jimmy Hart. And l- no. Damn it. Uh, no, you thought too logically. It was, it was Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan for the hoe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. The fact... Wait, what is like fucking... <laughs> what the hell's going on with these rewards? How did Jim Duggan win uh, twice? I don't I don't know. He, he did He did win at least twice. So he is not... He, so through. Owen Hart is not the only two-time Slammy Award winner. Jim Duggan is. No, Jim Duggan is. Yeah, He's he won two in the same night. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, it's amazing, right? So this was actually the... Uh, the famous uh, Vince McMahon singing "Stand Back," slamming. Oh, oh, 
So that was on the Slammy Awards. Yeah, where that was on the stand back. Yeah. Remember, oh god, where people yeah, make I've fun of it. That a million times. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I get the uh, Facebook group page to come back up, I think we got banned for being too gnarly on there. I'll, <laughs> know, I'll post happened. that. I'll post. I'll post the. <laughs> I might just have to recreate it again. I don't know what the fuck happened to it. It just like vanished. Like, are we still like? Are we still in Facebook jail? I think so. I don't know what happened. Like it. 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 it, it all I remember is like when I clicked on it, it's like okay, something happened. I was like okay, yes, 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 and then next thing you know, it vanished. I was like, okay, what the fuck? Yeah, because like I tried to like look at it, like I can get it to come up when I search. Yeah. But when I tried to look at it, like I couldn't. It said I don't have access, and then I texted you and asked you if you banned me from the no, Facebook. Group. I guess I banned everybody. But uh, I guess I banned everybody. <laughs> Whatever. So I, I was trying to make a new one anyway, so it's all good. But all right. maybe when I do, I'll do the uh, Mister Man stand back because it is one of the uh, most hilarious. Uh, yeah, musicals you ever see by a guy and boy this makes it man he had energy this guy this guy in the 80s he thought he could do everything i mean he was yeah. a promoter yeah. on screen commentary had his own fucking um tuesday night titans johnny carson show and he's a musical performer yeah. this guy just wanted to do every little thing <laughs> yeah and he hadn't even got in the ring yet like he yeah. hadn't started performing in the ring yet. exactly which is crazy like he did that later on when he was like 50 and shit <laughs> exactly exactly so but, uh, but yeah so we're moving on so we got a few more awards to go through so we did song of the year oh wait a minute uh no we're up to song of the year now. song of the year, yeah song song of the year presented by jesse ventura and gene okerland and you will not this is another trick question so you won't get the answer to this was it grab them cakes no damn it so unfortunately there was no winner because sika ate the envelope huh <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> Best group. Like faction? It just says group. It could be a faction. But but if you don't overthink it, you might get this one. All right, let's see. I don't think the Heenan stable was around this time. The Hearts. Nope. The One Man Gang. The One Man Gang? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Were they like a group or something? Because he was a one. He, no, he was a gang. He was a, but he was a one man. Oh gang. god! It's, oh my god! It's it's funny. It's funny, right? <laughs> Fucking comedy. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so stupid that it's funny. That's true. All right, so this one, this one, you might actually. I would say that I would bet my life you wouldn't get this one, but you might actually get it if you think about it the right way. All right. But it's but your first in, your first instinct is not going to be right. Like cuz that was my first instinct too. The first person you think of is not going to be right. Humanitarian of the year. Well, I know in 1998 Vince McMahon won the award for the humanitarian of the year year and he had it on raw. <laughs> humanitarian of the year. Hulk Hogan. Nope. Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase. What? <laughs> Because he's rich, right? You just give out money. I guess. I guess because he's rich. Like it's a it's a gimmick award. I think <laughs> they're all gimmick awards, right? But I mean, I think that it was like like gimmicked in storyline. I think I only got like um, two answers right. <laughs> um, best head, best head. Al Snow's yeah. Al Snow is not in the uh, not in the company yet, and I'm assuming that it means a phys- a, a literal head and not like a uh, like a blue job. Yeah, that's how I was saying. But I say there's uh, not a whole lot of women in that locker room. Right in, uh, no, 1987. it was a tie. It was a tie. I will give you that. One of them you should be able to get if you if you realize he's in the company at this time. 
Okay, let's see. They have to be bald, probably. Um, George Steele. And... Fuck, I came in. John Brank, um... Slaughter. No. Uh, but not too far off. You were just a little bit earlier. Uh, Gene Okerlund. Okay. And Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize he was there at the time, but yes. Okay, that, that one makes final, sense. <laughs> that does make sense. And then our final award of the night, um, we won't guess this one. I'll just tell you because I, I know this is uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in story. But uh, the Bobby the Brain Heenan Scholarship Award was handed out to... <laughs> I try to say it with a straight face, but I can't. The Bobby Heenan Scholarship Award was handed out to the Islanders, Haku and Tama, Andre the Giant, Hercules, King Kong Bundy, and Harley Race. Okay, so it's faction, basically. Yeah, so basically it's faction, yes. So that was exciting, right? Yeah, that was exciting. Hey, that, that would have been an exciting night of television. Yeah, that's, it's a nice one. All right. You know what I mean? Got a little award show going on over there. <laughs> All right. This is apparently this is the second ever Slammys. The first one took place on March first, nineteen eighty six. Right. So this one was just a year year right after that. But you know, nice little uh, yes. rewards for the whole play. And they they would continue the Slammys. They were doing that for a while, but like they stopped recently. But I remember they were actually they, doing the Slammys like I think around January or something of every year. Yeah. Did they not do them? Uh... Fairly recently, didn't Seth Rollins win one? Oh yeah, they might have. Yeah, I think they make it more like a. Uh, I don't think they actually do a whole show about it. It just they, they do it different sometimes. Like sometimes they'll do a whole yeah. show about it. Sometimes they'll just do like a, you know, quick in the back, like, "Hey, you want to slam me for best kick or some shit like that?" Yeah, like I like I know like they did it during Raw. They've done it during Raw before, but yeah, but yeah, so. um but yeah, but this setting, sure this Seth setting, this setting where they got everybody in a room together, all dressed up and going up stage for the award. They haven't done that since like, like now at ninety seven. Oh. It's been a long oh, time. Oh no, because yeah, nobody would watch that shit now. Like I, I mean, I can't even imagine like what this was like. Like this was literally the WWF thinking that anything we like WWF, WWF thinking they can just print money. Yeah, like anything we put on TV, people will watch. Pretty much. Whether it's a cartoon, well, and they probably sure they did watch award it. show. Oh, you're right. They probably did watch it. And to be honest with now, that the way the 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 E is going right now, I mean, I bet you if they put this shit on there, like on a Peacock special and shit, people will watch it. I watch it. You know what I mean? You get the bloodline up I, there I for best faction. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get fucking. Yeah, uh, maybe. You get you get Chad Gable up there for 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 master technician. You know what I mean? They're doing this goofy shit up there. I could see it work. I could see it uh, work now. Oh, oh I, I, yeah, you're right. I, I could see it working now too. Um, I just wouldn't watch a whole show of this. I would just watch a movie or something and you could just tell me what happened. Yeah. Um, you can guess the winners. Yeah. So, suck, uh, suck like I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you did get one of them right, I think, right? I got maybe two. two. I think I got two. <clears throat> yeah. Which is better than I expected. So but got, anyway, what so we, that was wrestling. That was wrestling, brother. Hey, you know what? You know, sitting back with a cold brisky, just got done watching this opera movie, confused as hell, and halfway turned yeah. on a little bit, and then now we're uh, watching Slammies. There you go, brother. 
So what do you got? Uh, what do you got in the metal metal for us? Metal gets a little better. Um, so I don't have an exact release date for this album. So I um, I'm assuming that it came out on the 19th, <laughs> but it did come out in January. I mean, in December of 1987. So I want to talk about this band. They're an Italian band from Milan. Oh, okay, nice. Fizz the theme. They're called yeah. They're called Bulldozer. Wow. Really? And they're like an Italian thrash metal band. Um, they released their album Nine um, in December of 1987. And I actually kind of like this album a lot. Um, it has a song on it called Desert that's really good. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically like what I would call, like I guess, second wave thrash metal. They sound basically like Testament or a lot like Testament, I guess. Um, but they're also kind of like an early black metal band, too. Um, but you know, it's got the fast guitars, the, you know, kind of thrash metal vocals, um, and the somewhat semi satanic lyrics, but not, not quite. Um, but I don't really have a lot to say about it other than it's a really good album, but it has like, it has a really cool cover. It's got this guy and he's wearing a robe. Oh, nice. It looks like he's like leading a satanic mass or something in front of like a star field with like stars and planets and stuff on it and it's a bulldozer over the top of it but yeah i always thought it was kind of odd like these like it's not odd but it's weird to us as americans that these uh that these um european bands like use english words as their song names not song names their band names so like bulldozer you know, I'm sure there's an Italian word for bulldozer, but they they just like the American word bulldozer and just use that instead of like something else. But it's just like random. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like a random name for a band. A bulldozer, um, brother. Yeah. I mean, like they it might be called like helicopter or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I mean, I guess bulldozer makes sense because it's a big, you know, big metal machine that moves stuff. But, um, but yeah. So I mean, I know this is kind of short, but the. Uh, the uh, Bulldozer album nine was about the only thing I could find because a lot of tours stop around middle of December too because most bands take like the Christmas break off. So there's not a lot of touring, not a lot going on around this time. But Bulldozer released their album and it's really good and people should listen to it. Yeah, man. We'll check it all out. Bulldozer, you know. Now, do they, is it in English or? No, it's in English. Okay. Like their lyrics are in English. Um, like it has, uh, heaven's jail and no way, uh, misogynist desert. It's a really good album. Um, it's probably, mm, I, don't, I don't know. I was going to say it's probably the last good bulldozer album, but eh, it's not. I mean, they, the stuff they made after this was really good, but I feel like this is like the best album. That the best made. one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. check it out. We'll play a little bit at the end of this, but there was, there was another band. Like I actually got some for the metal too. So, awesome. with the soundtrack for opera. No, yes. I, the, I'm supposed to talk about this, too. Yes. There was, like, a... <laughs> there's like, random parts where, like, this thrash band, like, showed up. <laughs> All right? Yeah. That's the yeah. best way I can explain it. It's like, you know, when we were doing um, uh, Phenomenon, everybody, and, like, Motorhead was playing when they wheeled that fucking guy out, you know, Dino Pleasant's out after getting killed? Yeah. Like they just randomly played Motorhead, so this this film does a semi the same, where we're having scenes and just oh okay here's metal right now, and that band that's yeah. playing this is uh, Norden Lights, from Sweden. 
Okay, so yeah, so okay, there's that band, and then there's that other. Um, there's another band though I thought was in it too because I was trying to research this and I couldn't find a lot of information. Um, so Claudio Simone wrote the the score for this, but he, it was different than his other scores. Yeah, like it's different than the score from the last movie because he wanted it to be more like. Um, uh, I can't think of the word he used, but he wanted it to be more like. More, more. I don't want to use the word operatic for this movie, but that's what he wanted it to be like. He wanted it to be more like a traditional score. Yeah. Um, but th- he's there's also another metal song in it that I'm pretty sure he's in the band for. Um, but he's uh, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to find the name of this band. Um, let me see if this was the right one. I'm play it live on the air. Steel Grave, Night of the Night was the song I was thinking. Night of, of the Night. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Claudia Simonetti is in Steel Grave as well. Yeah, because I know he was in a a metal band that they used. So I think they I think they probably used both of them. They used No Escape by Neuron Lights, and then they used that one as well too. Um. Yeah. So there's I'm trying to find. Yeah. No Escape by the the group Northern Lights. Yes. And then Steel Grave. By the group Steel Grave, and then Knights of the Night by the group Steel Grave. Yeah. So, like, I can't find any information on this band, Steel Grave, but I have a feeling they were put together for this movie. Well, they're AKA Gow. Gow. G O W. Okay. <laughs> That's what it says on there. I don't know what the hell that Gow. is, but okay. Gow. Gow. Gotta Gow it up, brother. All right. But yeah, I but mean, yeah. definitely fun songs and, uh, you know, getting some of the uh, the Italian, you know, different style, like overseas, like thrash is always fun. You know what I mean? It's just a little different flavor, mm-hmm. just like the movies are. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's like they're influenced by their own things. Yeah. But they're also influenced by American music, too. Yes. It's really strange because, like, and I'm sure there are people that I know that listen to this that are in other parts of the country that this will offend them. But I think what I'm saying is accurate that like American music. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that American music influences the rest of the world. It definitely does. Um, and I think that it's more common for European bands to be influenced by Americans, American bands than it is for the other way around. So like, I feel like, Like there's like a, uh, you know, like when you like when thrash metal came out and bands like Slayer were making records and early Metallica, and then you had your second wave of of thrash like Testament, then like bands like uh, uh, Bulldozer, for example, you know, heard that that American music and made their own version of it. Um, just like the early black metal bands like Mayhem was, they weren't influenced by other Norwegian bands. They were influenced by Metallica and, you know, um, Merciful Fate, which is also a European band, but stuff like that. Um, of course, Thrash was influenced by Merciful Fate in general, but, um, now I'm digressing, but anyway, but yeah, I feel like that American music influences the rest of the world and it always has. So like, it's kind of cool to hear a European band's version of, of like an American art form in a way yeah which i would consider thrash metal an american art form i can see that definitely 
But I say we uh, move this train going, this 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 opera scene. I say we transition to the next scene over here yeah. in our operatic review podcast, and we we talk about yeah. who booked this shit, brother. Because there's a lot yeah, to talk Tommy. about on the backstory. Exactly. And of course, like we're we're saying, we're doing the whole Daria Argento month. So of course, he's the one who booked it. And this one is a, a pretty interesting backstory on it. So apparently, the movie is based on Argento's own experience directing a failed production of Macbeth. And I did not know this until I was doing some research over mm-hmm. here. But did you know that the actual play itself in Folklore, Macbeth play is cursed? I did know that. Okay. You should never say the name of the play as an actor. Did, did I do that? it's bad luck. No. Oh, okay. I was but like, I don't think I did that's, that. No, no, but that's what the, uh, that's what the, unless you know something different, like the, the play of Macbeth is cursed. Yes. And a lot of actors believe that if they say um, the, the title Macbeth, that it brings bad luck. Oh, I got you. So, so they'll call uh, yes. it like, a lot of times they'll call it like the Danish play or something like that. Yes. So this is right right off the book. According to folklore, Macbeth was cursed from the beginning. A coven of witches. Mm. Huh? Mm. I wonder if it's the same witches that we had in Inferno. Maybe. The three, the, the three witches. Yeah, the three witches, brother. They objected to Shakespeare's using a real incarnation, so they put a curse on the play. Legend has it that the f- play's first performance around 1606 was riddled with disaster. So, huh. That's interesting. I did not know that part of it, but there are witches in Macbeth. Uh, yes. Have you ever seen Macbeth? It's a very good it's a very good play. Oh boy, I never seen it like actually played out in the theater, but I I'm pretty sure I've seen the movie before. Yeah. Been a so, while. um the the Macbeth um in this movie though is an opera which is uh which is was written by Verity. So it's an opera version of Macbeth. So it's not the Shakespeare one that they're doing. Um but yes. So that, that is interesting though that the uh um uh, the cursed the cursed Macbeth. Yeah, let's check this one out. So like you were saying, saying Macbeth in the theater curses the production. So mm-hmm. it said that the it said that the actor playing Lady Macbeth tra- tragically died on opening night in 1606 and Shakespeare himself had to step in. Dueling Macbeth productions in New York caused the great Astor Place riot in 1849, leaving at least 25 dead and hundreds injured. Wow. So, this just cursed. Those witches from Inferno and, and, and Suspiria and shit, they, they, they fucking, they got them. Yeah, the three mothers cursed. Yeah. The mothers, I actually, this, this one seems more like a uh, mother of tears curse. Yes. I on agree. their production. So, let's see what else we got here. But that, that's pretty interesting. That's kind of like very interesting uh, uh, folklore to that and stuff of how that and he, he used that part of this um, production too on opera too which I thought was very interesting so let's see so so apparently the the character of um, uh, the, the, the character of Marco mm-hmm was actually based on Argento himself during the play. And I could see it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> you know, Giorgento, he is not the, uh, he's not like the kindest person to certain people. You know what I mean? Like he, exactly. you know yeah, what I mean? He, yeah. He'll, he'll do his jokes. He will, he will brush off these women and stuff. He will, he, he will, this guy, this guy, Marco on here, like, especially at the beginning, I, at first you can kind of like, I thought he was trying to make it look like he was the killer. This Marco guy was, but no, this guy would just kind of look a dick. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like, like a lot like Lento himself. Cause yeah. I think that that's come through in a lot of stories about our, Sorry, I went out again. All right, I'm back. Uh, I think that's come through in a lot of stories about Argento, you know, just him just being kind of a dick to women in general. Yes. Um, like his daughter, um, Aja Argento, like she, from my understanding, she didn't really have a great relationship with him through a lot of her life, mostly because of the way he treated her mom, which is Daria Nicolodi was her mom. Um, and, um, you know, and Daria has said that too, like how he didn't really give her credit for writing Inferno, even though she wrote the entire movie. Um, but supposedly Argento wrote this movie by himself with yeah. no help from anybody. No, yeah. Um, so a couple of things. So the plot, the 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 needle spot, which I like to yes. call it, is basically yes. we'll we'll see it in here. It's basically needles taped onto some tape right underneath the eyeball. So our girl yeah. Betty, every time she blinked. She had, you know, it hurt her eyes, so she would have to watch everything. So yeah, apparently, this, 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 yeah. So apparently, this whole thing came from a joke. So Argento said, um, it would be, it would annoy him when people would look away during the scary scenes in this film, and he, jo mm. he jokingly suggested taping pins under people's eyes so they couldn't look away from the film. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, fuck, let's just add that in there. And it, you know, that's a cool, that's pretty creative. You know what I mean? You don't see it's. You've yeah. yeah, you never see that. Like, yeah. I've never seen anything like that in an American movie. Like, it like it, it's not even that graphic, but it's like one of those things. It's very, it's very Alfred Hitchcock like. You know, like nothing happens because you know Hitchcock always talked about that, and you know he always talked about how how to make suspense and how to scare people. And it's one of the things that I feel like American movies today, horror movies, get wrong. You know, like it, the jump scare will scare you for a second, but if you if you if you create this scene a scenario where something bad can go wrong at any time, it just continually like brings out this fear, like it's like this it brings up the suspense and like because and and like when you're watching the scenes with the with the with the needles taped under her eyelids, um like and, and you you know like she'll like kind of close her eye and then open it back up and then like blood will run down the needle, like it's just like it just freaks me out. It's just like holy shit, like and I'm just sitting there like. <sighs> I don't know, like just on the edge of my seat because at any moment, like our eyeball could get poked out or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, it just freaks me out. And I love that. And they, people should do like that, that things like that in movies more today instead of having some stupid jump scare. So the role of Mara, which was the mm -hmm. going to be the original um, opera singer who was supposed to do the Macbeth, Macbeth uh, Lady Macbeth. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, that was actually written for this actress named Vanessa Wingrave, who was a right. London actress who's done like a ton of films and stuff. But she was unavailable, so he had to basically reduce the scenes, which is basically we don't even see the girl's face. This Marta mm. girl, like it's all yeah. like her beginning is just all first first person camera view. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this movie. There's a ton. But I think it's. 
Yeah, I think it's odd that not odd, but it's amazing that to think that in the '80s Argento was so big in Europe. Yeah, that he could get Vanessa Redgrave to be in his movies. Yeah, she was a huge actress. I mean, she wasn't an unknown by any means. She was a she was a huge actress. I mean, it'd be almost yeah. like getting like Meryl Streep to be in your movie or something. Yeah, I mean, she's but, won um, like so many awards, like Academy Awards, yeah. Primetime yeah. Emmy Awards, Triple Crown Act, yeah. and all this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because we think of yeah, because I mean, he, you know, he uses a lot of American actors in his movies, but you know, like a lot of Italian productions, you know, like with the spaghetti westerns and things like that. It was a lot of times it would be an actor who's maybe time has passed, you know, like he's not in his prime anymore um, or they're just starting their career. Um, you know, we saw Donald Pleasance, who's an English actor, but still we saw Donald Pleasance, who is definitely not in the prime of his career by this point. Um, and then John Saxon. And then we saw Jennifer Connelly, who was, you know, just starting out. But getting Vanessa Redgrave for this part. And if the only reason she wasn't it because she was unavailable, I mean that that's amazing. I mean that'd be like getting a top star for his movie today. He could never pull somebody like that now. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, Daria Nicoloda is she's back? Nick, yeah, Daria Nicoloda. Even though they Nicoloda. broke up after, yes. yeah, after Phenomena, she she came back. Although she, she didn't comes really back, want though. to. Yeah. So yeah. she. She apparently she originally did not want to do the role of Mira in this film. Mm-hmm. So, because she's you know like we were saying before, pretty sure it was right after Phenomena. She she started yeah. to end her relationship with Argento, you know, because of the whole monkey thing. The whole monkey. Well, it might not, it might not have been that, but that's how <laughs> Retro Bloods views it. It was the monkey incident. Okay. The monkey incident, which you can hear about if you listen to our episode of Phenomena yes. in the archives from a few weeks ago. Exactly. The monkey incident. <laughs> yes. So what finally convinced her to take the role was the character's elaborating shocking death scene. So she would later say that the filming (laughs) of her death scene was tremendously frightening as it required her to have a small amount of explosives placed on the back of her head. Yeah, so that's why she decided to do it. Yes. (laughs) Like, like I could see that, like, I don't know, I find this amazing. Like, Like, I could see this being the end of... I mean, this is another situation where he like put you know a female actor in danger because he seemingly didn't care if she got hurt or not. You know, I mean, you never. I don't. I can't think of a single time in an Argento movie where an, where a male actor did something like this. But like he, you know, he gave in the in phenomena in phenomena he gave the razor blade to the monkey and had her hit him had her in the face, and then in this one he put the explosives on the back of an actress's head to uh to uh to film the scene of her getting shot in the face um yeah. but that was yeah, a cool I, scene I just, though i just find it's astounding it's fucking amazing bro that scene was awesome like with the fucking gunshot yes. through the fucking peephole i was <laughs> like fuck we'll talk about that when we get yeah. there but like yeah it kind of defies physics a little bit i'm pretty sure i'm no scientist yeah when i hit the fucking phone i don't think like... it i don't think it would go this way <laughs> but <laughs> oh, but yeah. we'll talk about it when it happens so the role of the inspector Daniel Suave, which yeah. is my favorite name in the whole film, was Suave, played was yeah. played by the character's namesake, Argento's longtime collaborator uh, Michael Mich- Suave, in an uncredited yeah. role. This was the final yeah. film of actor uh, Ian Charlson, who tested positive for HIV after a minor car accident, something which he has suspected for several years. 
He died three years after the film's release. So uh, that kind of sucks right there. Yeah, um, that that did suck, but I want to talk about Suave for a second. So um, I can never say his name right, but I'm pretty sure it is Michele Suave. Yeah, Michele Suave. Because he sh- yeah, because his American version of his name is Michael. Yeah. Um, but um, but he we've seen him before. Um, do you remember where we? Well, we've seen him a couple times actually. But he was the guy in uh, Demons that wore the mask. Oh, okay. Nice. And we'll actually hear from him again pretty soon on the Retro Blood as well. But yes. Um. But yeah, he. Um. But yeah, he was in this. Um. He's a really weird guy. Like he. He was never huge. Like he was like. I mean, I don't want to say he wasn't successful, but he never got huge. But he's in a lot of Italian horror movies, and he directed a few movies as well. So yeah, Michele Suave. Yes. Yeah, he's he'll be in a couple things. We'll be talking about. Hmm. So a couple other things on here too. So the film was uh, picked up for a planned 1989 U.S. release by Orin Pictures and prepared as a 95M rated R. Terror at the Opera. Yeah. Which had 11 minutes removed. Yes. Mainly the uh, epilogue set of the Swiss Alps and Betty's final confrontation with the murder. So they cut out, they cut out, they cut out all that shit. Yeah. So this is the first, the way I'd, the only way I'd ever seen this movie for years. So I got a, so Orion dropped it as I'm sure you were about to tell us this, but it was picked up by an independent group called Southgate Entertainment and it was released on VHS as a blockbuster video exclusive. Yes. Um, and it was called Terror at the Opera. Um, but I never saw an unrated version until sometime in the 2000s, probably. So this this version um, on VHS that I have is the only version I ever saw for years. So when that scene with them in the Alps came up, I was like, why is this happening? Yeah. It still doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> well, you know, but, um, but, we have to finish but the story. At least, yeah, we got to finish uh-huh. the story. But um, but yeah, because I'm pretty sure the original one just ended with them uh, with the final part of, with her and the killer. But yeah, but yeah, so it was released here, but not uncut as 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 we have with most Argento films. It was edited by ten minutes or so. Yeah, that that was the uh, we ain't gonna make a sequel to this brother ending. Uh-huh. Yes, that is exactly what that was. Um, also, um, did you how did you did you watch it on Shutter or did you watch it on Tubi? I think it's the same version though. Yeah, I, well, it's funny. I first started on Tubi, and then I was like, yeah. "Oh shit, this is on Shutter," because I don't have to worry about the mm-hmm. commercials. So then I started on right. there, but it's basically yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, the I the um, I don't really love the uh, dubbing in this. Yeah, as some of it was a little rough. Some of the other ones. Yeah, I don't. I don't love the dubbing in this movie. I would much rather. I would like to see an Italian version with subtitles, but I don't know if that exists. But, um, nice. but yeah, so um, and the movie was shot at the um, uh, Teatro Reggio in Parma, Italy. Yeah, oh, uh, which is a the great opera, old, old, old theater. The opera house looked fantastic. I mean, mm, fuck, yeah. you found you got rented this thing out. I was like, fuck. I was like, yeah, definitely nice. Well, well that's one of the differences, right, of, of, between European cities in general and American cities, like. That opera house is probably older than our country is, and I'm not well, sure. Most and almost certainly is, but and I'm not sure if this is like the real budget. But apparently, this movie was like eight million. 
I mean, I mean, no. That makes sense, right? That's I mean, it's man. a. I mean, if you were going to have Vanessa Redgrave, you. Okay, I'm back in. If you were going to have Vanessa Redgrave in your movie, you know, you would need to be able to spend a, a significant amount of money on it. Yeah, so, but she I mean, wasn't there, brother. For this. What did you do with the no, rest that's of it? Tr- that's that's true, but I mean, you know, I, well, they had to that uh, that eye scene was that uh, you know bullet through the keyhole scene was not uh, not cheap. I thought it would just be renting out the fucking opera house. I'm sure the opera house wasn't cheap either. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a big budget production. This was Argento at his probably his most famous. I was I would imagine. So yeah, he definitely had he had the money. He you know he got these film companies to give him the money to make it. This was not. I mean, it's low budget by today's standards, but it was not a low budget movie for its time at all. Yeah. Not for a European horror film. Well, I say we get into the full review of the opera, yeah, brother. let's talk about the plot. Right over here. Let's talk about the plot. Let's talk about the, the tie-up, the, the swerves. Let's talk about everything, everybody, because we're talking all about opera. So we start off by these are crows, right? They're ravens. Ravens. Close. They're both corvids. Yes. So this raven over here was fucking just. We see his eyeball. We see him just fucking. What do you call that? Just try, trying to. What do you call the crows? I mean, the ravens. Uh, when they're making the noise, do they? Is that like called anything? Well, okay. So um, crows typically. What they their 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 noise is typically called a call. Yeah, call. But a yeah, raven. A raven typically has kind of a, a gronk. Yeah, gronk. Yeah. So like when I was out west, like I was out in the desert and I ran into some ravens, and they were just like gronk, ah, ah, yeah, kind of like that. Like okay, so this raven was fucking show, but it, this raven was gronking <laughs> constantly. It was going nuts. And yeah. our girl, so so go ahead. 
I was going to ask you a question. So yeah. how, this happened several times in this movie, and I, I was going to ask you as the filmmaker of the group how how they did this. How did they shoot the Raven's eyeball that close? Like uh, it's the, like a, the, a full screen view of this Raven's eye. Like how did they do that? So what I what I would have done is I if I had eight million dollars, I probably would have made myself a, <laughs> a, a Raven's eye. Okay. Or if right. I wanted to cut back and, and some money and have you know a hot tub full of strippers, I would have uh, just got my camera super close up to his eye and then you know instead of the, with the distortion on it, you know make it maybe like have like edit it a little bit where you can like take out some of the distortion. That's the only thing I could think of. But I mean, like you, yeah. But that's a, but it's an animal though. Like you yeah. couldn't get that close to an animal like that without it freaking out. Well, well I, did, I mean, the only thing I could, you, I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you couldn't, but maybe if you had the zoom on it, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure uh, how maybe. they would have done it. Because, cause, you know, right now with our technology, I could probably zoom in on an eye and not lose mm -hmm. a lot of the um, detail of it with some of the camera, mm -hmm. you know, 19 freaking 80s and shit. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of, he had to do like a, either pretty close up, maybe using like a, magnifying glass to do it maybe that's actually a good thought because i was yeah. thinking that maybe like for a still camera you could get like a macro lens which would shoot like small things close up like people use it for ju to sell jewelry and stuff like that yeah so maybe there's like some kind of macro lens for a film camera for a 35 millimeter film camera that you could use to get close enough to the to the to the to the raven's eye without him and i mean they could always like i mean the europeans are not known for you know, having a lot of like animal rights in their movies, like often yeah. animals are killed for real in their movies, as we'll talk about later on in this year. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that they, it's possible that they could have just like, you know, not tied down, but like bound the raven to where he couldn't move. Yeah. And then they just got as close to his eyes as they could. And then, you know, and him moving his eye around made, made the scene look even better. But anyway, continue with the plot. I just wanted to ask that question. So our girl doesn't care about the eyeball at all. All right. Uh, nope. Mara? I think I got her name right. Mara? She is like the, yeah, yeah, I think the, it's the girl that we were talking about earlier she, uh, on the Who Booked This. She was the, the main uh, opera singer who was supposed to play Lady Macbeth. But she starts freaking out because she cannot work with this fucking raven. All right? <laughs> it's like our girl, um, uh, uh, Daria. She couldn't work with that monkey. This girl can't work out with right. the raven. Okay? She throws right. her fucking shoe at it. She just storms off set. And the, my favorite part, which is all like, this is supposed to be Macbeth. But to all you guys, when you want well, fucking, you want ravens, you want, you want lasers. What is this, the circus? <laughs> That, um, I love that. Like, I mean, I was that, like, that sounds cool to me. Like, Ravens yeah. and Lasers sounds fucking cool. Sounds like a, sounds like Slammy Awards, nineteen eighty seven, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so she storms out of there. Everybody's like trying to follow her and convince her to stay because she's a big time opera um, singer. You know, she's like a, yeah. a celebrity. She's like the main person of the play. And I like, I like how the director guy, our boy Marco, is like, ah, fuck it, let's just go on. It's like, okay, this definitely is Argento. <laughs> he's just like oh, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. He just blows yeah, it off. Like, all right. And the Raven even blew up the Raven guy. He's like, if if somebody freaks out my Ravens again, I'll get out of here. He's like, ah, eh, whatever. Let's go. Next scene. Whatever. <laughs> so the girl Mira, she comes out and she gets hit by a car. So randomly. 
And like we never see what she looks like or nothing. So I don't know if he even act. I don't know if he even cast anybody in this fucking role because it's super short. Yeah, could could have been could have been anybody, right? Anybody, and and it's yeah. just like this is I think typical of also. I think I've said this before, but this is another example of this is real typical of Italian gallows. Like if somebody is no longer useful for the plot, they either disappear from the movie. Or they're written out of the movie immediately. Yeah. So, like, he could have just had her quit the <laughs> play or whatever, but since he couldn't get Vanessa Redgrave for the movie, he shortened her, her shortened her, her, her part of the movie. And then I can just see him sitting there at his desk saying, okay, I'll just have her get hit by a car. And yeah. then he writes that, and that's the final version. I would get her out of there. Like, I could just, just see that happening. Yeah. So, yeah. So, basically, he just immediately writes her out of this yeah. movie. And if you guys want to play a drinking game with us, Take a shot now because this is all done in first person. Like you're playing a video game. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of first person in this. Well, there's a ton. So you can be fucked up by the end of this review. <laughs> so this is, this is uh, I always like the little scenes. <laughs> this is like a, mm. a, a, a semi-funny little scene to me. So her agent is like that fat dude, you know? Yeah. And he walks in. Ladies, uh, Amira has been hit by a car. <laughs> I was like, and I look it's at supposed like, oh, to be funny, but it's, it's funny. Weird. He had announced it like our star is hit by a car. <laughs> the way it was, <laughs> I was like, okay. I, I thought I was. I, was like, I, I, I mean, I, I even put laugh out loud in my notes. All right. <laughs> All right. So now after this, we we're cutting to our main girl, Betty. So Betty is yeah. basically the understudy to mm-hmm. Mara's Macbeth character. So she was the, yeah. uh, if anything supposedly happened to Mara, she would fill in the role. But, but our, yes. our, our girl Betty, yeah. she has never done like a live play before. She's only been studying for it. So she's sleeping and she gets a phone call saying, you will be the star Macbeth. She's like, who is this? Who is this? Why is this happening? It's like, okay. And then her friend Very comes, Phantom of the Opera. Yes, yes. Very Phantom of the Opera. And her friend comes in Played by Nickelodeon. Yep. And, Nickelodeon, yeah. Yes. Let <laughs> me fuck up her name. I'm always good about doing that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I might be saying it wrong, but I'm pretty sure her last name is pronounced Nickelodeon. But Nickelodeon. I could be wrong. I, I always say the D-I. So. Anyway, so she comes in and she's all like, hey, you know, you're going to be the star of this uh, this uh, Macbeth play because, you know, what happened to this girl. And then she's like, why are you nervous? Why you look so nervous? Hey, they're coming in right now. Don't look nervous. <laughs> and like, so the, the Betty, she's kind of like has like a little like qualms about doing this play because she's like, oh, well, isn't this fucking play like, isn't it cursed and shit? Mm-hmm. So the agent and the director, Marco, come in and they're telling her about the news. They said like, even Marco is saying like, hey, we, I've seen you. Um, you can, you know, you, you've been a good, really good understudy. And uh, you, I've seen you do this play so much that you can, uh, you know, you can do it by by heart. Mm-hmm. So she, which go ahead. which also happens in Phantom of the Opera, right? Like that's part of the story. It was like the Phantom was in love with Christine, and so he he made it to where she took over the role because she was the understudy for the main actors. Yes. And uh, they are also talking about how you know also know this um, this play by heart, and she's like has mm. concerns about the curse. He's like, oh, don't worry, this just won't be curse at all. You know what I mean? And he doesn't believe in the curse at all. The director doesn't, Marco. Everything and, will be fine. Yes. 
and he's, <laughs> and he's like, and he sits her down. I was like, listen, you are a beautiful girl. You have a great mm-hmm. voice, and this will be your debut. Now, a lot of people will have this opportunity to be in this big production on their debut. So she eventually agrees. All right, so now we're doing the whole play, like the whole play's going on. So where it's opening mm-hmm. night and everything, we're having the whole play go down, and we see that uh, the the stage director guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're doing this play. All right, and mm-hmm. uh, the you know the curse play, and yes. uh, everybody's like freaking out backstage and stuff. Uh, they're getting everything ready. They're getting the fog going on. They say too much fog. And then the stagehand freaking out, trying to get everybody together. There's some guy put his scar on the wrong face. And now we have our girl, Betty. She's up there doing her singing, her opera singing. And mm-hmm. obviously she has a great voice. And then while this is all happening, um, we see somebody like going up all around the stairs. Like kind of like, you know, first person view again, take another shot, going all the way up the stairs. Um, and we get shots of the crowd, of some more hallway shots, and then we uh, uh, put down. Uh, just main girl is doing her opera singing. So we have this this black glove kind of goes into like one of those sky boxes, and he puts mm-hmm. down like his binoculars, and we're like, oh, the black glove has returned. Yep, on here, Argento himself. Yes. And now the main girl, she's doing her opera thing. And we hear like, we hear like, look at her. You finally returned. And I was like, what the fuck? Who's returned? This is like her debut. (laughs) So then we cut to a scene of this girl like screaming and hanging, which is supposed to be like a flashback. So while while the main girl is Betty, she's doing her opera singing. This usher guy comes in saying, hey, what are you doing up here? Not allowed. And then the killer with the black glove killer takes him, pushes him over. And then we have one of the stage lights falls down. And everybody's like, what the fuck? This, you know, the light fell down. And, mm-hmm. the, and this is when the black glove killer eventually kills the stage hand and he gets blood all over his binoculars. And yeah. so, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to say, so did the, did the light fall was it a coincidence that the light fell or because of the curse or did the, uh, or did the killer make the light fall? Killer made the light fall because he pushed the guy into the fucking light. Oh, right. I forgot. He pushed him into the light. Yes, yes, yes. I got you. Yeah. Sorry. But everybody thought it was the curse, especially mm-hmm. Betty. She's like, Oh, what? The curse is here. And Mark was like, Oh, keep going. Keep going. Curse Don't worry about here. it. <laughs> keep going. Nothing to see here. Keep going. Nothing to see. Nobody's in danger. Yeah. None of, none of my female cast is in danger. Just keep yeah. going. Yeah. Keep going. You'll be all right. Give the monkey a razor. Uh, yes. So now the girl, she all finishes up and she gets a round of applause from everybody. And apparently she did a very good job. So everybody starts thanking her. You know, like, you know, saying, hey, great job and everything. You did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. And she um, she gets congratulations from all the whole staff. She asks a little bit about the lighting. She said, you also heard somebody screaming like, oh, don't worry about it. Hey, you want to go to this ah, party? No <laughs> <laughs> And you want to go do some coke? Yeah. And then, and then, uh, yeah, exactly. Especially the 80s. And then Marco mm. is just saying, like, hey, you know, the, like, the only bad luck you're going to get from this play now is you being famous. Look at this guy. Mm. It's not like an Argento thing to say. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. had a monkey scratch asshole. your face? Don't worry about it. You can be famous. Don't worry about it. It'll yeah. be fine. 
And <laughs> and then she's like, oh, yes, well, you know, my, my, my mom was a singer, too. So we're getting some uh, hints about what her mom was. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. Betty, she goes to her dressing room. This is where we meet Julia. Julia is like basically the uh, the streamsuit. She fixes all the costumes, and her big thing is complaining yeah. about Marco and how he sucks as a director. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So then we, we get, when she leaves, we get a knock at the door. Betty opens the door. It's it's uh, it's a uh, straight laced looking dude. He has flowers mm. for her and stuff. She's like, oh, who are you? Are you a fan? I was like, I, I didn't realize I get some fans so quickly. It's my first play. He's like, yes, I'm a fan. Here's some flowers. He's like, hey, my name is Alan. I'm an inspector. She's like, oh, you're not really a fan. You're just a, some police <laughs> officer. He's like, well, what can a fan be a police officer? I was like, okay. I got you. Okay. He's like, yes, I'm, I'm here because we had we heard some uh, about the light falling and this person missing. So I'm going to go look around. So then, uh, uh, stage hand Stefan walks in. You know what I mean? Says, "Who's that?" It's like he asks where that is. Like, oh, this guy's—he's inspecting because of light filling and everything. And um, they basically, so they're kind of like semi dating. Her, her and yeah, Betty. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, it's kind of her boyfriend. Kind yeah. of her boyfriend, yeah. And he's all like, "Hey, can you give me a kiss?" and you know, everything's different now that you're famous. I was like, this has only been one night. <laughs> it's only been one day. Yeah. So we'll see. And then they kind of going on a little bit about the curse of Macbeth. So then we have a guy who, <laughs> we have this guy that just randomly shows up. We only see him like twice in the film. And I thought he was supposed to be something, but he wasn't. So we had this guy who shows up. He basically looks like a young Tim Curry. All right. And he has mm-hmm. a presence for Betty from Mira. I guess this guy, this young Tim Curry guy, he wasn't named. That's why I'm naming him the young Tim Curry. He he gives his present, and the present is basically some perfume. And the perfume says, um, "Is like, uh, good luck, you little snake." <laughs> All right. I guess that's a term yeah. of endearment, maybe. And then like she smells it, know. and it smells bad. Mm-hmm. And then they pour it out, and they can't figure out what mm-hmm. what the smell is or what it is. Weird. So then we have, uh, I, so not only was this opera, was it performed live in front of a crowd, but it was also filmed on an audience too. Okay. So you can watch this opera performance at home. Okay. So we're having a TV mm-hmm. station show the, uh, the performance. Yes. And this is uh, when we see the black, the black gloves upstairs on the attic as well too. All right. So we're basically getting a lot of uh, shots of uh, we're getting a shot of this uh, like like the scene of the the black love like tying this girl's hands up and it is it's like a weird scene it's like this girl is just sleeping on a bed and the black love killer comes up to her and ties her her hands together and starts strangling her so I believe this scene was supposed to. But we'll talk about it later of who this scene was supposed to mirror. So remember this scene of just some girl sleeping in the bed. She gets her hands tied and then she gets choked. Okay. Yeah, but right now it seems kind of random. Yeah, very random. Just there for some reason. Okay, yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of scenes in Argento's film that he just shows the shit and then he explains it way yeah. later. Right, Which is, exactly. At least he explains it. 
So which is he nice. does explain it most yes. of the time, yeah. But I mean, Tenebrae was full of that too, right? Where it kept yeah. showing like the scenes of the girl who would take her dress off on the beach or whatever, and then she'd yeah. get like beat up by those guys, and then we never understood what any of that meant until the end. Yes, and then we're kind of still guessing at it. Well, it's kind of like that. So he'll just put this scene in there that makes no sense at the time, but he does it kind of explain it later. Yeah. And then we get more scenes of Betty doing her opera. And then we have zoom in on the on the raven's eye. So now we're in the stage area. And we have the the the, the black glove killer takes the dress. So he the, the black glove killer is taking the dress and starts cutting that fucking dress open. The dress that uh, Betty yes. was wearing on stage. And then yeah. he goes into the stage area room where the crows are at. And after he's done, um Cutting the uh, the dress, he cuts loose all the all the. I want to keep calling them crows. The ravens, cutting them ravens all across, and then we have this big scene of the ravens flying around and him like beating up a couple of them. Yeah, or killing a couple of them. Very strange. Mm-hmm. And I think I think he kills about like two of them. Then we have the uh, state the ravens stagehand guy come in, and he. And he, uh, so he's like looking around, and then this is when the uh, the black glove killer guy leaves, and this is when we see that that um, what's his name, the black glove killer leaves. Yeah. All right. All right. So so the uh, the Raven guy he shows up. All right, but he. But then the killer, the black love killer, leaves. Then we can see all the ravens trying to corner him, like trying to go out the exit door that he was in. Yeah. So, so now we have, um, <laughs> so now we have Betty, we have Stefan, all right, and they were semi getting it on in like this like very elegant looking room, and the big thing was that uh, is that any better? I mean, yeah, but we'll have to see if it goes or not. All right. So now we're in the uh, the bedroom with that uh, Betty and Stefan. Oh yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole gimmick behind here is Betty. She can't get it on. All right. She's like, oh well, you know, I just, you know, I just, I'm just horrible at this sex thing. And Steph- <laughs> and then our boy yeah. Stefan's like, he's like, well, didn't you know that uh, that it's a known. This boy, this guy, I don't know where he found this line out of his ass, but that's where he, that's where he find. He's like, don't you know it's a, a, it's, it's a known fact that all opera singers are whores. You know what I mean? They like to have sex before they go on stage, <laughs> so their voices sound a lot better. And I'm just like, does, does, that, does that work? There's like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I say. There's in my experience, there's nothing. Yeah. That that makes a woman want to sleep with you more yeah. than calling her a whore. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, she's that like, well, works you, every time, right? Well, yeah, she's a famous opera singer now. You know what I mean? So you know, <laughs> she got to do her 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 role, right? <laughs> right. So she was just like, well, you know, I'm a I'm just, I'm like different like that. So and then she starts apologizing <laughs> for just Macy not getting on. He's like, okay, do you want some tea? He starts naming all these teas, and I think she picks raspberry. And then when she, and then when he fucking leaves, she's like, "I want mint." And I was like, "Oh, I've been there before, brother." He's like, "Make up your mind, woman." And then out of nowhere, yeah, yeah. the black glove shows up, 
grabs her fucking ass, like fucking pushes her to the ground, take ties up yeah. her hands super quickly, ties up her fucking body on this like pedal. Oh, by the way, uh, no, there it, there is one thing. Our boy Stefan he explains that he has a rich uncle, and that's why yeah. he can use his rich house. He's filthy rich. He can use his rich house anytime he wants. That's why they're in this mm, fancy but, looking place, right? And yeah, and he ties her up to like a pillar or something, right? Yeah, in the middle of the aisle. yeah. And then after he's done tying her up, he puts the uh, the little uh, needle gimmick. Mm. It's like a tape with a couple needles on it underneath her eyeball. Well, it's m- more than a couple, but yeah, it's it's uh yeah, so it's basically like like uh, tape. It's like six, like I mind. guess my my medical tape with like yeah. needles taped to it and it's taped under her bottom eyelid so that she closes her eyes that it pokes the needles so she has to keep her eyes open and it's like ugh. like it shows real close-ups of it too yeah. and it's like it just freaks me out like it's just like it's just one of those things that just like it'd be like something now like you would see that on Saul or something you know yeah 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 similar to that yeah but he based so the the killer explains like hey I'm putting this shit under your, in your eyes because you have to watch everything that happens I don't want you to fucking blink you know, when every time you he so he kind of explains it, like why he's doing yeah. this to her, at least this yeah. particular part, right? Because he wants her to watch what he's doing. Yeah. So Stefan walks look away. In. Yeah. So he's walking. Well, first he's like trying, like, "Hey, why'd you lock the door?" Then he busts right in. He's like, walks right in, shirt off and everything. <laughs> he's all like, "He's like, well, what are you doing?" It's <laughs> like, what is this? And he's like, and she's like screaming. He's like walking up slowly to her, and he walks up, walks up. And I thought this scene was fucking awesome because the killer like fucking stabs him in the throat, and you can actually yeah. see the knife go through his mouth. I was like, that's very creative. They don't really see that, you know, showing the inside of his mouth about the knife going like right through the throat and everything. Very fine detail yeah. right there. Yes, there's a lot of that in this movie. Yes, and he starts like stabbing his ass right in front of her and everything while she's watching. I was like, okay. This burns some crazy my, uh, shit right my, now. My, the funny part about this scene is that he thought she, he actually thought she tied herself to the pillar. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, why did you tie yourself there? <laughs> so he's stabbing her, and I mean, he's stabbing the, the, the killer is stabbing Stefan basically to death while she's watching and everything. And after he, after the killer um, is, is done, so he's stabbing his, uh, he's stabbing him like crazy. And while I stabbing him, that's when we have a bunch of thrash music playing. So like while the, the, the stabbing is going on, the thrashing is going on as well too. Mm-hmm. And, and then basically the color cuts her loose. All right. And he says like, he's, he's basically saying it was not true about the, a lot of the operas the, the killer I guess he heard their conversation and the 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 killer says in like his weird voice saying it's not true about the opera singer girls being in heat which means like they're all of them are horny it's not true and he cuts her loose and then this is when Betty runs away and then she tries to go uh she she goes to a payphone and she calls the cops to tell them about the murder just happened but the, the person mm-hmm. asked for the name, and she's like, no, 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 I'm not going to give you my name. Because obviously she's a famous opera singer now, so she can't yeah, have her... Yeah, after one day. Yeah, after one day. <laughs> and she can't have her name in the papers now, because, you know, 
her fucking career would be yeah. over. Yeah. After one day. Yeah. You ever been famous for one day? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Marco just randomly finds her. All right. And he's saying, like, what happened to you? It's like, look, look what success has done to you. I was like, fuck, it's only been one day. I mean, <laughs> it is kind of funny. Yes. Like, this keeps happening. Like, like success has ruined you after one day. Yeah. So they go in the like, car. She's literally done the play <laughs> one time. She's literally yeah. done the play one time. Yeah. So he, they're in the car right now. <clears throat> and, of course, her eyes are hurting because they had fucking needles under them. Yeah. And he's asking, like, well, what happened? He's like, well, I can't tell you. It's something very bad. And it's all like, okay. And Mark was like, okay, was it love? And she's like, why, why, do, why do men always have to assume it's love for, for us celebrities? Like, okay. Celebrities? And he's like, and then she's like, well, you know, it's known that opera singers are whores and stuff. She's like, well, that story's not true with me. <laughs> I was like, okay. And she's like, and they, they go on about this love stuff. And she's all like, yeah, I've been in yeah. love before, but it doesn't always pan out. I'm like, didn't you just have your boyfriend stabbed in front of you? Like, what's going on here? Right. And then he he was saying some, like, he was saying stuff about, like, the direct Marco was saying, like, yeah, you know, like, I know how it's tough to be hard in love with in our line of business. Because not only does our boy Marco, so his background is he is a, he's doing this Macbeth play. But he's also yeah. known for doing films and horror films as well, too. Weird. Like Argento. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if Argento does this, too. He basically says, like, yeah, for, for, when I'm doing, like, the sex scenes, I got to jerk off beforehand. I wonder if Argento <laughs> added that in there, too. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so now they go back to the uh, her room, Betty's room, and Marco's still there. And, he, and then she finally tells him what happened. All right? And then she's all like, yeah, I used to have this nightmare. This is what Betty says. I used to have this nightmare as a, as, as a child, too, with a, a killer of a black hood attacking me. All right? And then Marco's like, well, you didn't give the police your name, did you? She's like, no. He's like, all right, good. Excellent. And Marco's like, okay, I'm going to check all the rooms. And you, so do you have, like, by the way, do you have, like, a boyfriend, somebody jealous, and stuff, anything like that? And she's like, no, 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 I don't. She's like, okay, well... There's some guy down there, like, watching you with binoculars. <laughs> she's like, what the hell? She's like, oh, yeah, he's not there anymore. <laughs> she's like, well, she's, like, super nervous now. And she's like, Betty's like, well, I don't want to keep you. I'm guessing you have somebody waiting for you. And he's like, yes, I, yes, I do. And I was like, what? what's going on here? Like, are they now, are they flirting with each other somehow? The director and, like, it was just weird. So they hug each other for a second, and then um, he basically the director Marco was like, "I'm gonna take a look outside, and then I'll see you tomorrow morning." So before Marco's gonna leave, Betty sees a girl through the peephole. Okay, and it's just some girl, and she's yelling at him like, "Who are you? What are you doing outside my apartment?" And she's like, what, wait, "Who's that man?" And she's like, "It was like I'm your neighbor. Okay, nothing's going on here. He doesn't <laughs> want anything from you." And it's like, well, I need you to know. Tell me who you are. Do you know who this is? And the girl just walks away. So now Marco leaves. And then she, and then um, Betty picks out of her pocket. She kept the needle thing in her pocket. And then Betty hears a noise at the door. And then she eventually gets a call. It was, uh, I guess it was a call from Mara. 
saying she shouldn't have. And then this is the call. And then basically, Betty's telling to herself that it, she it was a call, but it was like from nobody. And she thinks it might have been Mara. But it was like nobody answered on the phone. She's like, man, I shouldn't have took this role. And she's basically saying, like, don't cry. Like, she's like... So now we're back with Marco and his, like, woman. This is a weird scene. So they're like... The girl... His, so basically, Marco had this girl fly in. Well, this girl says she flew in, like, from, like, two different flights. And she missed a fashion show to hang out with Marco. And then she reads, yeah. she reads the newspaper tabloids about how... This director guy should basically stick to horror films, and he sucks at doing opera. And he's like, ah, and, and and then and then, like, the fashion girls are like, you're not getting mad at all. Like, you got mad about the slightest things of uh, this back in the past, but you're not getting mad at all about you them criticizing this performance. She's like, well, why? Do you just want to lay with her? Is that why? And he's like, ah, oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he says, "Do you want to? Do you do?" He's like, "Do you want to go to bed with her?" And he's yeah. like, "Yeah, maybe." Like this to me, I have a feeling this came directly out of Argento's life. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I have a feeling yeah. that something like that, that exact scene, actually happened to Argento. Yeah, um, it just seems it just seems like something. Yeah, he had real. some fashion girl. She she missed. Yeah, she took model. two flights and missed her fashion show to hang out. And he's all like, "Ah, oh, well, and you know." He's ignoring her. The yeah. new, the new Italian puss. I'm, I'm, I'm into that one now. So sorry, <laughs> I didn't tell you to come over here. Even though I did. <laughs> Even though I did. All right. So now we're back at the, um, we're back at the uh, stagehand place, and Alan, the inspector's there. He's asking people, "Okay, uh, you know, who, 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 who would have a uh, inveta, or and what? Who would have a, like a heat with these ravens? All right. Yeah. And." Uh, one of the the, the 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 raven guys like, well, you know that Mara girl, she fucking hated my ravens. And the agent guy's like, no, no, no. No, no, no. She was fine. She wasn't here. Okay? It, it's the play. she's dead. Yeah. No, no, no. Mara's, no. Mara's alive. She's not dead. Oh, Mara. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting all these people confused. Sorry. Yeah. Mara, she's now no. The only dead people we've seen so far are like these like supposed flashbacks that we don't know their names yet. All right. So... He was basically saying, okay, Mac- the Macbeth uh, pl- uh, is cursed. This play is cursed and shit. Yeah. Okay. And this is when Alan starts going on to start talking to Marco, saying like, hey, you know, you, 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 you've directed a lot of horror movies before. What's going on over here? And then, of course, uh, this is another Argento line. He's like, well, you can't, you can't do real life and, and make it match up to horror movies. That would be a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you know, Marco's basically saying like, "Hey, you know, we got to wrap this up. I got a, I got a play to keep going on." And this is when we had the stream sis Julie. She is all pissed off because somebody cut the dress. And then our boy Marco makes a, a smart ass comment to Julia. She gets all pissed off and she leaves. And then they're asking this Allen guy is asking also to, "Hey, we found this fucking guy Stefan dead." Did any did anybody knows anything or who, who where we was? They're like, yeah, he was at the party. I was like, okay, well, did you anybody see him leave this party with anybody? And one girl says, yeah, I saw him leave with Betty. And he's like, okay, is Betty around? She's like, no, no, she's not here. Even though Betty was like watching it from above. And he leaves after he gets some more information and stuff. So now we have Julie. She goes into her room to fix a bunch of costumes and stuff. And yeah. she gets scared by Betty. 
All right, so Betty says, like, you know, he's like, hey, this guy was looking for you and everything. And she 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 needs to talk to her about it a little bit. And then eventually they look on the actual dress itself. And they notice that they found something on there. Julie found something on there that was uh, not on there before. It's like this little gold bracelet. Yes. And she's like, hey, it's like engraved with something. I can't see it. Let me go find my magnifying glass. And boy... Mm-hmm. Like, th- it took her, like, an hour to find this fucking thing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Let me go here. Let me go to this room. Let me. And then Betty's like, okay, I'll be right back. She comes back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they find the real goal and everything. Uh, and then she eventually finds the the, the magnifying glass. Uh, they're, well, they're checking all the rooms to find everything. And we can hear heartbeats. You know, every time, like... The, so Betty has like this little thing where like sometimes when the killer's around, she hears like this heartbeat going on. Mm. We have the part of this yellow thing falls, and this is when um, Betty she's back in the room mm-hmm. and she gets grabbed by the figure again, again. like right when she's in that streamsis room. She gets grabbed by the black hood, the black glove, and he's saying, and then this is when the guy's saying. All you opera singers are her. All are whores. I was like, okay, yeah. well, I thought you said they weren't a while ago, but okay. Yeah, well, so this is supposed to be making us think or making us wonder who the killer could be, right? It's yeah. supposed to make Stefano the, the possibly the killer, and then Marco possibly the killer. So I, I you know, we're not Stefano. It's kind of a weak died. attempt, but it's working. Not now, but before he died, where she got the call saying that uh, all opera singers are whores or something like that, and then he said that to her too. Yeah. But, um, oh crap, but, um, well, during this part, I thought the killer was going to be Marco. I mean, that's what they look like they're making it seem like. That's kind of what, at this point, that's kind of what they're heading towards. Yeah. yeah, But so now Julia comes back inside and now she sees Betty all tied up inside like a booth and she's like tied up how she was with the needles under her eyes and everything. Yeah. And, Julia and the black gloves are fighting over the little bracelet, glove bracelet thing. So he drops and stuff. She grabs it. She's about to run away, but then he like throws an iron at her. Yeah, at her back. <laughs> and she's like, "Fine, whatever. Just get away from me." And then like the guy goes to go pick up the uh, the gold bracelet, and then she takes the iron and like knocks him out. All right, and then she has a choice. She can either go save Betty right now. Or she can unmask the killer. And she <laughs> actually goes to unmask the killer. Okay? Yeah. And she gets onto him. She takes the, the hooded off. And she's about to say, Oh, hey, hey, you know this? Hey, you're all tied up over there. But you know who this is? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love this. And then she gets like, basically oh, choked. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, like, some, I, I missed it when I was doing this. But apparently, during this whole melee, before she, like, Unmasked him. She like swallowed the gold bracelet. Um. Yeah, because well, it drops into her mouth. Yeah. So like he's choking her, and then like, so remember, there's a so there that scene is in the movie, but um, he's like, I can't remember exactly how it happens, but like after he comes to, and then right before he kills her, yeah. Like it drops into her mouth, but and and it's so it's so terrible. Like it's the worst thing I've ever seen Argento shoot because the the 
bracelet hits her in the mouth, but it clearly doesn't fall into her mouth. It falls off the side of her face. Yeah. But then he, he like it's inside of her mouth, and she swallows it. Yeah, and that's why he has to go digging in her throat to get it out. Yeah, so that's what he does. He goes digging through her fucking throat. Pretty, pretty gnarly scene of him cutting out. Yeah, says in her throat. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it cuts her, cuts the shirt off, and everything cuts it all down, and he actually pulls out the uh, the gold. And he shows the gold to Betty. And he and he's all like, I could take you whenever I want. And he taunts her with the scissors and everything. By the way, Thrash is playing throughout the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just like constantly. So now Black Glove is outside and he's like cleaning the gold. And this is when Betty, Betty she wanders outside. And she actually goes to she go, she's walking and stuff, and I, I'm not sure if she goes to see him, but she runs into the inspector Allen, mm. all right, and he just like grabs her hands and saying, "Hey, what, what's all these marks from?" All right, and then uh, he's like, "Is this from the play Macbeth, or did this happen last night?" And she's like, "Yes, it happened last night." He's like, "Well, why didn't you tell me that this happened?" All right, and because and then she says. Because it's worse than, uh, and and I wanted to cancel it and and take it away from my mind. He's like, she just, I just wanted to get away. I was like, this is interesting. And he's like, listen, whenever this happens again, or if you get caught by this killer, you gotta tell me. You know, I'm here to help you. And he says, I just need you to help me too. And she says, well, he said he ties me up. He doesn't let me. Uh, see his face at all. Like, I haven't seen his face at all. And by the way, he just killed Julie. And it's like, Alan's like, okay, crap, I gotta go, I gotta go over there. Mm-hmm. And then Betty's like, oh, listen, I'm, I'm just like super afraid and stuff. So Alan's like, okay, well, just go wait in my office. Okay. And don't answer the door to anybody except for my assistant, Daniel Suave. And she's like, okay. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. But yeah. anyway. So now she's like pouring. She's she's in her the the stay the Alan stay. She's like pouring water in her mm-hmm. eyes and everything. And then we yeah. have uh, Suave shows up. He says, "Hey, I'm here. I'm coming in here." She's like, "Okay, well, I hurt my eyes and stuff, so I can't see you too well." Said, yeah, well, okay. it's, I, oh, doesn't she say it's eye drops? Yeah, eye drops. Yeah. So yeah. she put like so eye drops. Which, which I mean, this scene is cool. Like it it creates a suspense, but it's like it's a it's um, what is the What's the there's a term for what I'm trying to say, but um, is it uh, when something's created in the plot to make the plot go forward that yeah. doesn't has to have to happen? Like like so she puts so she puts eye drops in her eyes so she can't see so that the plot can move forward. So because she needs to not be able to tell who this person is. Yeah. Well, I mean no. I mean, fuck. She had needles in her eyes, so you gotta put something on. There. Well, that's true. Well, right. I mean, I mean, I'm saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just there's a reason for it to happen, but it's like okay, so she picks that moment to put eye drops in her eyes so she can't see. So speaking of trying to make sense, check this one out. So she's like, okay, I yeah. need to relax. All right. He's like, okay, but well, do you need anything for me? Like, no, I got a great system for that. I've got a system for that. Yeah, All right. So this. she turns on her record player, and it's like, calm your feelings. Calm down. Only <laughs> listen to the music. Relax. Relax. And then it goes, ah, rapper music. I was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, fuck, man. That ain't going to make me relax. <laughs> so now we have um, 
so one of the big things too is um uh 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 betty she she also talked to her friend mira yeah all right about uh uh, you know, coming over, not 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 Mira the Myra. The, that's the uh, that's the the jealous <laughs> singer. This is Mira, and then the lights cut out. Right, and then they have then they're starting to think it a little bit. They're thinking like, wait a minute, we can't like maybe call the cops or we can't, you know, because we don't know if the Suave up here is the killer or the Suave downstairs is the right. killer. But one of them is the fucking killer. Uh, one of yeah, one of them's the killer. So. My question though is why does Mira think that? So they, they they clearly they act like they have no idea which is which. Yeah. But why does Mira think that the the that the detective is downstairs? Because she even names him. She no, says because the detective named Suave. Yeah, because he introduced herself to her, and he says, "I'm Detective Suave." Yes. She's like she. So and, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like you know. Like she, he, she's getting up there. She's going to go meet her friend. There's some guy stopping her at the door, saying, "Who are you?" It's like, "Well, my name is Detective Suave, and we're this girl's in my custody right now." So that makes sense. But I guess, but but Suave never goes to talk to Betty and tell him that tell her tell him that he's that he's there. Tell her that he's there. And well, there's a reason behind this, Allison. Okay. We haven't got to that part yet. Okay, all right. It was actually a trick. I think this is. It just. It's real. It's uh, well, right. It is a trick. You're right. I, I understand what you're saying. We 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 get to the point in the plot where we understand what's going on. But it, yeah. it's. I was really confused as to why these people thought these things at this point. Yeah. In this movie. Well, they know now that they they know one of them is not the real Suave and is the killer, but they just can't figure out which one it is. All right. Well, right. But why the killer know? About Detective Suave. What? Because who How the killer was. Name? Because who the killer was at the end. Oh, well, okay, that's true. I, I see what you're saying. Like all I said, right, like I everything is kind of random, but it all makes sense when everything it comes to light. It does make sense by the end. Yeah. So they, they're there, and they, they basically go in the kitchen with a knife, all right? And they're like, okay, hey, you're an opera singer. You can scream really loud. She's like, well, these, these walls are too thick for me to scream over here. So they hear a doorbell ring, all right, and they see Suave. Suppose the Suave call, like, get a call from the phone. He's like, right away, and he leaves. All right, and like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then we have Betty. She's going to run to the other phone. All right, to, you know the phone that was in that room to try to make a call. And then, then the my, Mira. She hears a, a knock at the door. And it's the it's the cop, it's Suave saying, "Hey, it's the real me. Look at my look at my badge. Look at my gun. I swear it's the real me." And she's like, "No, that could be a fake badge, and that's a not, not a real gun." Hey, let me see your face again. Your face looks familiar. Let me see it. He's like, "Okay." Then he puts the fucking gun to the people and bam, shoots her fucking ass. That was a fucking crazy scene. Right. Fucking- Which I thought was kind of weird too. Like he, the cop was trying to show her. His gun as if that was proof that he's a cop. Of course, I guess it's Europe, so it's different. Yeah. Like, it goes through yeah. the... Uh, it goes through her eye and her brain and everything. The peephole. Yeah. And then it hits the phone dead on. So this guy got some aim. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's kind of amazing. So it... it, it Like, if he, if he had just put the gun to the peephole and it shot through the peephole into her face... Yeah. Like, okay, I would understand that. 
but it actually shows the camera actually shows it going down the peephole as if the bullet not only was the bullet exactly the same size as the peephole for it to go down down through the tunnel but it also went straight through the tunnel into her eye out the back of her head into the phone yeah he's just a great shot I guess he is our black glove killer it is alright so (laughs) this this is interesting so after all that after he shot you know her friend and everything the killer's like well, you might just well let me in right now. <laughs> might as well just let me in. And Betty's like pissed off saying, like, no, I'm going to fucking kill you when I see you and shit. All right. And then she goes into her room. She turns on the calming tape to distract him. Yeah. She throws pillows outside. We have this opera music playing. We have another first person yeah. view, so take a shot. Yep. And then Betty, she hides from the killer as the killer runs all around the house. I bet she does have that knife with her. And then, like, she's walking around the house, and then randomly, um, Betty's walking throughout the house trying to hide from the killer, and there's this guy who randomly shows up, and he's dead on the floor, falls right in front of her, and this is the real detective, Suave. He has been killed now. And, of course, and then Betty, she grabs the gun from Suave, and then Black Glove shows up. She tries to shoot Black Glove, but she misses a bunch. And then the music gets turned way up. And then out of nowhere, some random kid is on the vent and helps Betty escape to the vents. So this kid yes. basically is a big fan of um, Betty's. She watched her on the TV. And there was mm-hmm. a scene that we did see a figure in the vents um, at the beginning of the film, too. So it's not the killer. It was actually this little girl. And she was basically yeah. saying that she goes through all these vents and stuff when her parents fight. And they do that a lot. So she goes and she actually says, I'm just going to admit I've, I've seen you and you sing really well and I spied on you. So killer's looking around and he eventually goes into the vent himself. And this is when she says, yeah, I go up here and my parents fight and everything. And, you know, this is my hideout spot. And they eventually go back to her apartment and they hide from the killer and the killer can't find him to the vents and stuff. And then she's all like, hey, I think the killer left. You're very clever. So then they, the, the kid brings um, Betty out to the, to, their, to the mom, hears her, shows her to her mom. And the mom was the same girl from earlier where, she, where Betty was bitching at her through the peephole. All right, and then and then Betty, yeah. she's really bad at explaining things. <laughs> like she, she she's not like she's basically the mother's like, well, what are you doing here? My daughter, in my house, get out. And Betty's like, well, like I can't explain what's going on. It's like, well, why can't you explain? Just, just fucking leave. So Betty should have been like, right. hey, you know, I got this crazy maniac. Y'all should get out of here too because this crazy maniac trying to kill me and shit. But no, she can't. Like, yeah, but she doesn't. Ex- <clears throat> right. Yeah, she, she doesn't, doesn't explain, explain it well. That. Yeah. So mom basically tells her to get out and stuff. And then, like, the mother and the daughter are fighting. And all I hear is, like, the, the, the little girl saying, Well, yeah, well, you're naked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah, what a fucked up. There's, so there's, like, this uh, fucked up. So now you see why the girl's hiding in the, the yeah. air ducts all the time. Yeah, because the mom and the supposed many dads are, yeah. yeah. So Betty leaves, and now she's going through all the whole crowd. 
All right, she's outside going through this crowd. There's thrash music playing everywhere. All right, Killer mm-hmm. follows her. And then Betty goes back to the opera house. All right, she's going through all these rooms and stuff. First person's taking another shot. She goes to, and then she eventually meets up at the, the stage, on the stage area. She meets up with Marco. And Marco's there. And he's saying, like, oh, I didn't think you would come here. She just says, like, well, I just wanted to run. I just want to keep running and hiding. All right. I, I feel like of all the places I, this, this part is a little weird to me. She says, of all the places I feel, I feel the most safe is here. I'm like. Well, why did, would she think that? I was like, well, didn't fucking Julia die here? Like in the right. room, like right over there. <laughs> we we known the killer has been yeah, here at least twice. He killed. He he, yeah. he freaked out with the birds, all right, and he killed Julia here. I'm surprised it's not yeah. a fucking crime scene. It got shut down for being right. a crime scene. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right now, well, apparently they don't do that in Italy because remember, yeah. like in the last movie, um, what's it? The kid just goes back. Johnny just goes back yeah. to the house where the guy was murdered. Yeah. Nothing. No tape. No nothing. No, no, he just goes back there, no problem. All right. So Marco Marco now has a plan to lure out the killer. All right. And Betty's just like, oh, I just want to sleep. All right. And then the director goes on about like these dreams and she's like this little monologue about dreams. I was like, that's weird. So we have more first person in, in the attic. So everybody, what's you about four, four shots deep? Sure, we're pretty drunk now. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the some kid shows up in this attic. All right, and we see a girl being tied up, and we see this blue shirt girl like start crying and stuff. And then this is when we see a black hooded figure, and now we realize this is Betty's dream from when she was younger. She saw this little vision in her head. All right. And. Uh, uh, so dream is also saying is that you mommy so a little, mm. little plot a little plot going on over here so now she she she's saying to the marcos like hey i had this i keep having this dream and i can't tell if it's a if it's a nightmare or if it's like a memory that a lost memory that i've had before all right she can't tell if it's just a nightmare or something about her past so now we're at the opera show. Like we're 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 about to have another, you know, a play. Cuz you know, they yeah. do they they do the Macbeth they probably do it for like a, like a like a month or something, like every weekend or something like that. Mm. Yeah. So, I'm not sure if this is like part of like opera plays, but we had on like the 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 rail parts. There's like all these naked girls in sheets. I mean, I think that that can yeah. be a part of uh of opera. Yeah. But um, I think that more astounding than that is that they're still going to have a performance of this play. Yeah. Even though several people associated with it have been killed. Well, that's just a curse. Well, you know I mean, so we just overlooked that, I guess. Like yeah. our, our seamstress is dead. Yeah. She was murdered in, in the opera house. Yes. But we're still going to have our performance. Well, our yeah. I mean, I mean, come on, brother. I mean, <laughs> this is the entertainment here. Okay. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. So you have all these naked girls in sheets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're doing the play and everything. All right. Doing the scene where she's doing her opera on the stairs. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get the uh, the crowd scene. When she starts doing her singing. They're all like, well, how's yeah. she doing now? How's she doing? 
Is it like what two and a half stars, three, maybe five? I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. Part yeah. of memory of a wrestling crowd. Re- yes. And I guess so. Now Betty takes a little break, I guess, from the scene, and she's asking Marco, like, "Hey, you know what's going on? Is like, is the time? Is like, no, don't don't worry about it. Time is coming. All right, just wait for my signal, and it will happen. We haven't found them yet, but it'll happen." I say, okay. So we go back. We see the crowd now. We see our boy Tim Carey's there. All right. Tim Curry. Yep. The lookalike. He's watching. All right. And then out of nowhere. All right. Fucking Marco does the sign. And this huge box crashes through the part of the play. Falls on the floor. And opens. Thrash music's playing. And now fucking ravens take their sweet ass time getting out of this cage and start flying over the whole opera. <laughs> I swear this scene took about thirty minutes. Okay, I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna say that. But yeah, like, mm. like, like they didn't. Everywhere. They didn't fly out of the out of the cage like real quick. Yeah, they were like a little bit one at a time kind of going. But but once they got out there, that was the cool scene with the thrash music playing, the steel grave, and then yeah. like the ravens flying everywhere. That was freaking awesome. Yeah. So, Marco's plan basically was to set loose ravens throughout the opera house because he felt like since these ravens got attacked by the killer, you know, a couple scenes back where the killer was like killing a couple of these ravens and cut up the dress, he's like, okay, well, maybe Mm. the ravens will remember this guy's face and go finish what they started to try to attack him. Okay? Right. So, we have uh, an animal expert over here, director guy, Marco, he knows that these ravens will find this guy no problem. So okay. now, so there is truth to the what he's saying. So, um, uh, so I have a lot of corvids, well, crows specifically that live around my house that I feed and I interact with on a daily basis. And crows are like this are or some of the smartest animals. Ravens and crows are they're similar. Okay. So, um, so like ra- like cor- any kind of corvid, like a magpie, a crow, a raven, they're some of the smartest animals that there are. So they will actually remember faces. So if you, um, if you, if you do something bad to them, they will remember you, and they'll actually tell other corvids about you as well. Um, and then they will either avoid you, or sometimes they'll even attack you. So what he's saying is scientifically accurate. So so they could they they could they would remember the the ravens would remember the person that attacked them. Now whether this plan would work or not, I'm a little bit dubious on. But but what he's saying is scientifically accurate. So the the ravens are all around everywhere, and they eventually all mm-hmm. focus on the policeman, Alan. Yeah, they start attacking yeah. his ass, fucking. Biting his ass everywhere, ripping out his eyeball and everything. Yeah, it's awesome. Yes. So, after all this is happening and stuff, Betty, she just goes back to her dressing room. All right, to get away from the madness. Because all the crowd's leaving. All the crowd's leaving everything, get away from the madness. She goes back to her dressing room. Marco shows up. It's like, oh, man, I can't believe it was that fucking police guy the whole time. It's like, yeah. And then he gets knocked out because Alan Mm. is there. With his eye gouged out and everything. By the way, one of the ravens ate his eye too. We saw that whole scene. Yeah, and, uh, and he, that went on for a minute. That yeah, was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and he knocks him out. He grabs Betty, and he like grabs her and stuff. He starts bringing her up to the attic area, I guess. 
and he was basically saying like he was like touching her skin he's like oh your voice and your skin are very or was just alike just like your mom's and he was just saying mm-hmm. the stuff like he's yeah. saying all this stuff really quick like like where he's grabbing her and like tying her up and stuff and he's like bringing her to a yeah. different room he's like i was just a slave to her and everything so he grabs her he throws her in this room and he ties her up to the chair and he puts his like a little like uh something over her eyes and he was saying all i wanted to do was just touch her that's all i wanted to do I just i just wanted to touch her but mm-hmm. she was just too much of a she she just wanted more bloodshed. That's all your mother wanted was more bloodshed. Alright. So Okay. Boise our island guy, he so we get this is a whole drawn out thing. So right now Alan he brought Betty into a room. He's touching her skin and everything, and he's saying, like, you know, some of these some of these people I had to kill, they had to die for me to to get to you. Alright. And we we find out that Alan it was the the slave love interest to Betty's mom, who was also an opera singer, but was also a conspirator in murder of killing young girls. Yeah. So th- th- this one kind of... You ever, y'all ever seen the... Uh, I don't know if you have, Allison. Have you seen the new season of Black Mirror? No. Okay. Well, I won't spoil that then. But there's an episode within Black, the new season of Black Mirror. This is very similar to... So, Betty's mom had Alan at a young age. They were like they were like lovers yeah. or something. But she, Betty's mom, wanted Alan to kill a bunch of girls. I guess out there, like young opera singer girls. And right. she kept demanding Alan to keep killing these people. And Alan, like, he didn't want to do it anymore. And all he wanted to do was touch, be with Betty's mom. But she denied it. So he said one day he came into her room, tied her up, and choked her. That's when that scene was from earlier. Sure, yeah. You know, that one I was talking um, about at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think this had a really good plot. Like, this is a really good um, plot point, twist, swerve, whatever you want to call it. But I feel like it's a little bit more complicated than it has to be. Yeah, you know what I mean? Bit, like, yeah. like, like, you know, like Betty's mom was also a, a murderer. But, I mean, it makes sense, though, right? Because I guess that's how you get ahead in the opera business does you kill other people that yeah. are gonna take your place or whatever i guess I, I don't know yeah so and that's why they're bringing up the Very whole horror thing and stuff i guess i don't know yeah right so basically now his plan is to basically he he's already been caught alan has mm-hmm. so he's gonna be like okay i want you betty to to kill me and both of me and you are gonna die in this room so he starts pouring gasoline all around the room all right and he eventually gives her the gun and he's trying to like yeah. have her like point out so he can shoot him, and he's like, "Oh, you yeah. you don't want to shoot me now after all the stuff I've done. I, I killed all these people. You know, you don't want to shoot me. Oh, by the way, I love killing your mom. You know what I mean? I <laughs> I took great pleasure of choking and killing her for all the shit that she brought me through. And eventually, she shoots right. his ass, causes the fire, and then Betsy, I bet Betsy, Betty's like she shoots the the chair, gets herself out. Yeah. She realizes that she's about to be burned to death." Tries to shoot the door, doesn't come open. Tries to grab the hot key, doesn't work. So we think she's going to be burned to death. But then Marco comes with the fire people just to um, to rescue her, and she gets on out of there. Then Dario Argento writes himself as the hero. Hero, brother. So, so I guess that's when part of the movie is stopped. <laughs> All right, <laughs> on certain cuts. And then now we get this other one. Mm. 
So now we're yeah, in the, so now, yeah. you could tell that we're definitely in Germany in the Swiss mountains up there in Germany. Yeah. We have a little fly on the string gimmick. He's like filming it. Marco right. is. Yeah. <laughs> they're like really high up on the mountains too. Um, yeah. I guess they're up there filming a movie. Uh, we, 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 we hear the, the maid, she like falls down, but the thing is just like her being very clumsy. Betty goes outside. She sees a bunch of dogs, like two dogs in a group running together. And there's like a bunch of mountains of winds everywhere. And then Marco, he's watching a talk show or like a news show. Yeah. Yeah. And they have new development about the, 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 the death of the opera crazed death. It was a fake body. This is. (laughs) <laughs> this is when I this is when I realized why they cut this scene for the American release. I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. So like, apparently, fake. It was a mannequin during the melee <laughs> of now. I now I'm not really sure how. Uh, yeah, really. I I, I maybe I can kind of guess how he got out of the room. So what they're saying is, Alan, he put a mannequin in has the body to to uh, fake his okay. own death. Okay, so let me see. So wait, he, wait a minute they, though. They burn the room. He puts the body in there. He gets out of the room. He throws the key, locks it, goes behind her, <laughs> and then they, they realize, oh it's a fake death and now he's going to go hunt her again. Well, wait just, a minute. When we're in the when hold on. When we're in the room though, yeah. he hands her the gun. Yeah. He's holding the gas can in his hand. Yeah. Talking to her. And he's and he he says he wants he's trying to get her to shoot him. Yeah. She shoots him. The the gas goes off. He he. And then he's immediately on fire. Yeah, but that was in her imagination because she can't see anything. She has a blindfold on. What really happened was he had a mannequin but, uh, standing right there, and she shoots the mannequin. And then when all that's going off, he gets himself out. He he opens the door with the key, throws the key in the fire, locks the door, and leaves. While she's trying to escape, but she doesn't see any of that. But that is that canon, or did you just make that up? No, I mean, I'm this what I'm guessing what happened. Okay, because the only All thing right, we, the only sure, thing we, the whatever. only thing we okay, see, the only thing fine. we see is him throwing the mannequin in the fire, and that's it. Okay. It, when when we see in the flashback, but yeah. we actually see him get shot and set on fire. No, it's in the, the mannequin. Hmm. I don't remember seeing right, him go. Maybe on, I huh? missed that. All right, fine. I had to watch the movie really quick and we're late at night. So maybe I just missed that. But anyway, all right. So it's a mannequin. So now yes. he escapes. So now now Mark, and then yeah, now they're doing like a manhunt for this guy. Yeah. And and Marco's like, oh, wait a minute. That's not that's not good. And then he looks and he sees the maid earlier that who fell. She's actually dead. All right. So so Marco says, screams out to the Betty, hey. He's not dead. He's alive. You need to run. Run right now. And then what do we hear? Thrash music. Yeah. I was like, okay. So she's running outside. And eventually, Alan, he's like right behind her with one eyeball. Apparently, he's been on the run for like a couple days. And somehow, he made it through custody and everything all the way out to Germany. And that was in Germany. Yeah. Now, how did he get there? I have no idea. Took a bus, maybe. I don't know. So Alan's chasing her and stuff, and eventually Marco like tackles his ass. They start fucking fighting a little yeah. bit, and then Betsy's right behind him, and then eventually, uh, it, it takes him like a, a second or two, but then um, Alan just stabs his ass. Yeah, 
start stabbing yeah. Marco. So there he goes. And then our girl does a little swerve. She's all like, oh. Mm. It's like, it's like, maybe I am like my mother. I, I mm. Maybe secretly, I wanted you to win. And then Alan looks a little surprised. He's like, yes, I am just like her. It's like let's go let's let's go before anybody finds this body, all right? So they they start leaving and stuff, and she sees like the dogs again, and she the mm-hmm. I was walking over in front of her, and she grabs a rock and she knocks him down, and with the rock, then like not even I mean it was like twelve dudes show up, okay, and they all yeah. grab Alan like intensely. And then Bay screaming, I'm nothing like my mother. I'm nothing like her at all. All right. And then Alan's saying, like, I didn't kill them. You know, I was just, I was just freeing all their souls. It's probably yeah, something that yeah. Betty's mom probably taught him. And then two cops eventually talked to Betty. He's like, hey, you know, uh, why this guy wanted to kill you in the first place and stuff? And, you know, like, did you know that we were here and stuff? She's like, yeah, I saw the dogs and I saw the helicopters. Yeah, we've been, we've been uh, sending him for two days. Oh, yeah, by the way, what did he, like, say to you? So, you know, this weird, like, he killed this guy, but he didn't kill you at all. Like, what did you say to him? She's like, I didn't say anything to him. He was just crazy. I'm like, okay. And then she's, like, like, talking to herself. I'm not part of this world. I am just a, a, a person who should be part of not this world and nature. I just want to free and set everything. I was like, what? where did this come from? Then she like goes up to what is going on? Then she goes up to like a like was it like a grasshopper or something like that or like a bug and lets it loose like a lizard. I thought it was like a lizard. Yeah, Yeah, it was a lizard. So she lets it loose and tells it to be free or something like that, right? Yeah. So like apparently, finding out that your mom was a devious serial killer and she had some sort of satanic or night night was sadomasochist boyfriend who's out there killing all your friends and shit. She has now yeah. figured out that she is not part of this world. And she turned into a yeah. hippie. So, <laughs> so I can kind of see why they cut the ending to that because it's kind of weird and doesn't re- isn't necessary and doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. But I don't know. But, you know, it, it kind of like, did it closure I'm, on it. it. I mean, we're not having well, Opera you know. 2 terror at the house. <laughs> terror at the house. All right. <laughs> where Alan's... Where Alan's and oh, I, I actually I got a good sequel. Check this out. Yeah. So, Opera Two: Terror at the House. Okay, we're gonna have Alan and Betty's mom's child show up, Uh-oh. and he is the new stalker of Betty and Betty's child. Huh? There you go, brother. Mm. It writes itself. It's not bad. It does write itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, what will happen is the new killer will still use the same pin needle eyes. But what it will do is it'll pin needle eyes uh, the Betty's kid and watch him yeah. kill Betty in front of her. That starts the whole right. thing. And then they figure out who it is. And they're like, oh, it was Alan's kid this whole time that they had with Be- the, with the wrong. mom. You know what I mean? Mm, and then at yeah. the end, it'll be a swerve because Betty's child will now be the new killer. Kind of like they were going to do in Halloween. Boom. There you go, bro. Franchise. There you go. Yeah, it could be a, it could be a franchise now. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go, brother. That has been Opera. I thought it was a pretty good movie. I like yeah, it. I mean, pretty good swerves on there. I don't know if I... I didn't really like... I should have, but I didn't really guess the uh, the Alan character because... 
And I guess, like, I'm trying to think, too, because Allen, he didn't really look that old. Like, what, what, how, how old do you think he could have passed? For, like, 38, maybe? Their 40, possibly? Yeah, like, his late 30s, 40s, yeah. So but he had he to be banging you know, their mom around when he was, like, 20 or something, at least. That's what, yeah, I mean, or he could be an old, like an like an older teenager, maybe is what I was thinking. Yeah, so when it, when all that happened, but it was good. Uh, there there were some nice scenes in it, so there were pretty cool bloody scenes. Though when torture scenes, I thought he did that oh, yeah. pretty well. A lot of first person views on there, which are always kind of nice. So definitely a fun one. So, but yeah, that has been opera. Everybody, Dario Argento Italian Month, but. Join us here next week as we continue and finish up this Italian Blood Month with a full review of a film not necessarily directed all from Dario Argento, but he had a lot of high influence on it. And this one is called The Church. Yeah, and it was directed by Michele Suave, I believe. Oh, there you go. Suave, he's so, back, brother. He's coming back. Suave on here, so... But Allison, what are we going to be finishing up this review with? What song would you like to play? Let's play. Uh, let's go ahead and play some bulldozer. Let's play uh, desert from bulldozer. Ooh, desert from the bulldozer. Song, it yeah, it's like our boy Allen. You know, they think if he would, uh, you know, round up being with Betty this whole time, they might have escaped to the desert. You never know. You know and I mean, Maybe. go from the Swiss Alps to the desert. Lived happily ever after. Ever ever after. Just touching her or something the whole time. So, but everybody, this has been Retro Blood Opera. Jay Austin, James Klein. We will see you here next week. See you guys. <laughs>